Welcome to the Martial Arts Psychosis Podcast. Grab some coffee, protein shake or your favorite steroids and enjoy the show. And welcome to the third episode of the Martial Arts Psychosis Podcast. Um, it's a great honor today uh, to host uh, one and only Dominic Akumazidov. Welcome, buddy. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, man. What's up? <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I was I was scrolling through the internet and I was looking for some for some people whom I think would be the right fit for this podcast. And your name just kept popping and popping. So I said, all right. Um, let's, let's bring him in and let's see what he can say about, about everything. So for, for there, there's for sure some, some people that are listening to this, to this podcast that don't know anything about you. Uh, so can you tell us more about yourself and describe your, your Muay Thai path? Yeah, I'm Zidov Akuma. Um, I'm 36. I'm living currently in Bangkok. Was uh, living seven years in Samui, training and fighting in Lamai Muay Thai camp. And yeah, I have, um, I'm living in Thailand now since 12 years. I moved from Zurich, Switzerland to Thailand uh, to start my, my Muay Thai career here in uh, the land of Muay Thai. Awesome, man. And um, how many fights do you have? I have 149 fights. Holy shit. Nice. <laughs> and what's your score? So far, do you know your score? Um, my score is uh, 96 wins and uh, 96 wins and 53 losses. I'm not sure about that. Awesome, beautiful man. Uh, so, um, okay, so I'll I'll start. Maybe maybe um, people people that even that don't even follow Muay Thai the way you and I are probably um, know about the famous show Contender Asia, um, which was aired. Well, ten years, some, ten years ago, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so, uh, tell tell us more about that experience. How did you get into that show in the first place? Um, yeah, the Contender Asia was actually an idea of uh, the American Contender Boxing, mm-hmm. right? So, Mark Barnett was interesting interesting to do something in Asia, and my my boss uh, Stefan Fox, the president of the Muay Thai Federation came up with the idea something to do in Muay Thai, right? In mm-hmm. Asia, because here it's very popular. And so they get the idea to build Contender Asia. And they choose 16 of the world's best fighters. Some uh, some like John Wayne Parr, Yotsan Klein, Narupon, top names. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to make a reality show out of it. And they started with, the, with everything. And... All the fighters, they was already in Singapore and there was uh, one guy, Arslan, Russian guy, he broke his arm in training just a few days before the shooting start and they was looking for a replacement. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how what they called uh, Ole Larsen. He was at that time my manager when I moved to Thailand and I was living in his gym, in uh, Legacy Gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was injured, so he could not join either. <laughs> so it's very crazy because we were sitting just next, uh, outside of the gym, next to the lake where we run every day, me and Ole, when he got the call. And uh, they really say, oh, please try. They tried everything to get him on the show. And he said, hey, I can't. I just fought Andy Sauer in K1 Max, and I broke my foot, and I can't, I can't join the competition. Mm-hmm. And because uh, 48 hours they had to start with the filming, uh, they was really in a hurry and a little bit, I don't know how to say in English, but worry about the show would get okay. delayed. Uh-huh. And Ole said, hey, but you know what? I have a crazy creation sitting just next to me. <laughs> interesting something for you, you know? And I just hear how he answered a few questions, like where is he from, how does he look like, and all like he was like, oh, he's full of tattoos. He just out of jail. He will be perfect and all kind of shit. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, then uh, yeah, I think 24 hours later, I was on the airplane on the way to Singapore. Awesome. Nice. That, that that's a crazy story. So yeah. Uh, so it's 
how did you how did you decide to move so you were living in you're, you're Croatian but you uh moved to Switzerland right with your parents I would assume Yes, yes, with my family. Oh, okay. And uh, then from Switzerland, you went to Thailand, right? Yes. I've been before once already for holidays, so I knew a little bit about Thailand. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, then I moved to Thailand. All right. And how did you decide to make that transition to move to Thailand? Yeah, I was, I was in Zurich. Um, how to say I was a trouble kid already as a young boy, right? Good. I was always a rebel. I always did the opposite what I was told to do. <laughs> and I I never I never fit somehow in the Swiss system. Because mm -hmm. my brother, I have a brother older. He is the perfect example to uh, immigrate to integrate in the system, mm -hmm. right? He's mm -hmm. a perfect example. And I was just I didn't want that. I didn't was on the same level. And I got always in trouble. I spent some time in time in jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last time when I got caught with shit uh, and the judge put me in jail, after a um, few months, they let me out on probation. And they say, hey, you know what? We have enough of you. We catch you now a few times already. And if you're not going to stop, if we catch you one time more, you're going to go for a very long time in jail. Okay. So I get out of jail on probation and I was sitting with my family and thinking like, what is my next step? Going to move to Slovenia, going to move back to Croatia. There is no really future for me, you know, like, yeah, I didn't see a future there. And my last decision was, you know what? I started with Muay Thai in Switzerland. I trained a little bit on my holiday trip in Thailand. I'm going to move to Thailand and I'm going to be a pro professional fighter. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. It, it turned yeah. out. It turned out well. It did. It did. <laughs> I mean, I was a bit lucky, but yeah, on the end, it did. Yeah. All right. Nice. Uh, so, tell. I mean, I, now I'm interested. Uh, obviously, what's uh, so you never went to jail in Thailand. No. No. Okay. No. Yeah, I was. I was about to ask you about the difference between Swiss jail and Thai jail because I've heard. I've heard bad things about Thai jails. Oh, I had I had one one friend once. He was here in jail in Phuket, and uh, yeah, that's that's a terrible thing to be in. Oh so. yeah. Okay, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so tell me more about the Contender Asia, uh, and if if we have time in the end, I'll ask you more about the jail because I'm interested in that too. Uh, so, how is it like to fight John Wayne Park? You, you lost in Contender Asia. Uh, you were yeah. eliminated by by you. You won the, your first round, and then you lost against John Wayne Parr. Exactly. And and uh, how is it like to fight John Wayne Parr? Huh. You have to see it like that. Um, when I started with Muay Thai, I was quite uh, old already, right? I started actually for fun to get some experience in how to punch people and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, if you Back in the day when you was interested in Muay Thai, there was names like Ramon Decker, mm -hmm. John Wimpar, Ole Larsen, uh, and many more, right? Um, and um, if you know that you just had 17 fights and now you're standing in the same ring with John Wimpar, you know he's heavier than you, he's better than you, he has more experience than you. But um, it was actually... I was not nervous really because I know I didn't have nothing to lose against him, just to win, mm -hmm. right? I, mm -hmm. I knew that I, if I show an awesome fight and a good heart, that people are going to respect mm -hmm. me as a fighter. And that was my, my, my real goal. Okay, awesome. And like, have you, have you felt in that fight something that you didn't feel before in terms of his strength and speed and... Power. Like, what's what's the difference between him and all of the other all of the other guys that you fought? Yeah, I mean, John Wayne Parr is a heavy puncher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, his punch is 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 powerful, really powerful. And the first time uh, in the second round when he dropped me, mm -hmm. I was I was thinking for a second, now oh, fuck that! I'm just gonna stay on the floor. That fucking hurts, you know. I, I thought I thought you were gonna stay down because it, it was a counter to left if I'm not wrong, right? Um, no, I think it was. I think it, sure. I'm not sure. I'm yeah, not yeah, sure. but but it was a counter punch, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I think it, when he dropped you, I was like, 
holy fuck, I, I would definitely stay down. <laughs> fuck yeah, this shit. Yeah. He, he catched me perfect. Like, mm -hmm. that, that was his experience, you know? He catched me perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. And um, can you see him? So, so uh, when, when you read about John Wei Parr, and when you watch his fights too, he is not, like, technically, when, when he punches, like, he will lower his arms. He's not really technically there, but he hits everyone, right? So can you see him telegraphing those punches while you're fighting him or not? Um, you know, I tell you the truth. Back then, I was too unexperienced to, to look for stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Now when, I, now when I look at the fight... I did actually quite good in the first round, but I also knew that John Wayne didn't go full in the first round, right? So mm -hmm. in the second round, I, I see the mistakes that I did and what I what he tried because in the first in the in the second round he comes straight away very powerful. Yeah, uh, and I was trying to put pressure on him because I was I I won't fight, you know. When I'm yeah. in the ring, I won't fight, right? And I pressured him and he, he, he perfectly counter-punched me and there from there I was dizzy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Rest of the fight, even, even in the corner you can hear a Patch screaming at me and everything, you know. I was I was seeing him double. Yeah, you of, know? Course, of course. Oh man, yeah. that, that 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 is crazy. And I, I I did recover a bit but I was never really back, you know. That that was just on the end was really the heart just keeping me coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And uh, yeah, I personally hate that feeling. And, and when I'm coaching, um, when I'm coaching fighters, if if they get dropped or if they get rocked in a, in any way, it's very very hard for them to, to physically return into the fight. Mentally, he's still in, and that's yeah. what a lot of people don't understand when they're watching UFC, when they're watching fights. Mentally, you are in the fight. It's not it's not about that. It's about your body not not getting the signals. The signals in your brain are totally messed up. So yeah. so that's that's the major problem people don't understand. And uh, all right, so so how is it like to, to live in, in a house like that, in that environment, fighting guys you know? So tell me more about that experience, like on a, on a more human level. Um, I say like this, you know, before before I went to the contender house, I was watching uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Mm -hmm. That was maybe just few years before the contender started the Ultimate Fighter. And I was thinking, nice, that's a that's a really cool concept, right? And then when they started with the contender with Sylvester Stallone, the boxing, mm -hmm. I was thinking, damn, that's that's some cool stuff. That's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. And then I standing by myself in the contender Asia with all these amazing fighters. You know, there was really no shitty fighter in in the group, and I was oh. there living and meeting them. And learning them to know how they are as person, I mean, that was a f uh, experience I never will get somewhere else than what I get in the house. Oh yeah, for sure. So what's what's the biggest lesson you've learned in the house? Um, the biggest lesson what I learned in the house is actually after my fight with John Mempard and after Rafik and John Mempard, sorry. Mm -hmm. After Rafik and John Mempard, because Rafik did really, he, he did for what we expected he was doing a crazy fight against Jomain Parr. it was a very entertaining fight mm -hmm. he he didn't want to back down he gave him everything he had elbows from angles you never know and that showed me that you know even if you maybe not the same level as your opponent and you're giving everything you have that you there is the chance to win and that of was course. like opening my eyes because i was so unexperienced right I mean, mm -hmm. I saw John Parr and Rafik in the ring, close, one meter, and I was like, damn! Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, really into it. But after the fight, I was like, fuck, John Wayne Parr is beatable, you know? Like, yeah. he's human, after all. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest lesson. For sure. I, uh, when you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking about my experiences that I've seen in martial arts and that I've seen like in general, not, not only, not only me fighting and competing, but, um, uh, just, just, I mean, in jujitsu in Muay Thai, in everything in life, I think that that mental aspect is probably the most important thing of them all. Uh, cause yeah. And especially in, 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 
full contact sports where where the stress levels are so high if if you think you can't win then you probably won't you need to be 100% confident that you win that, that you'll win and that's why we go through the grueling fight camps and preparations because you want to go through that hell be, before you enter the fight so you know that nothing new can happen in the fight right yeah. so and you want to be mentally ready as much as physically um, oh, yeah. so, so that's, that's super important. Not a lot of people understand that. Um, uh-huh. okay. So, so, uh, tell me, tell me some, some of the stories that, that happened in the house that probably weren't on, on TV. Yeah, for sure. When I sneak out at night, like, you know, <laughs> okay, I'm listening. Tell me a story. And, uh, of course, um, how many people knew that, uh, or, or know I having, I having a kid, nine-year-old kid, baby girl, okay. and that uh, was actually made and not made, but the mother of the kid I met in the contender house. She came watch the fight and everything. So, oh, okay. So that's where the that's where the story started. Yes, that where the story started, and and then ended in Thailand. And there was now there is my nine-year-old beautiful kid. Um, yeah, of course we did pranks. Okay. You know, um, there was, there was, we had to share, I think, I know, I'm not sure three or four showers in the toilet for, for 16 guys. And, you know, there was one big fridge with food and we stole uh, food of others who named their food. And, you know, just mm-hmm. like, you have to see it like that. We was all grown men, but <laughs> on the end of the day, we was 16 kids in a house. Yeah, that, that's why I'm asking those questions because I know. Like, can, can you imagine putting that? That's what I was thinking. Like, can you imagine putting putting sixteen grown kids in, into a house and give give them gloves, food, and whatever they want to drink, and say, "Okay, guys, you can fight for months now. You don't have to exactly. do anything. Just fight." Awesome, awesome. I'd be I'd be thrilled. Um, all right. So so, uh, how many? Okay, no, I, 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 um, I was asking you about your fights. What's your favorite fight so far? Um, of course, with John Wayne Parr is one of my favorite fights. Mm-hmm. He's a legend of the sport. He's still fighting with 41. The guy's crazy. The guy's crazy. Yeah. Oh, and he's, he's a crazy fucker. But respect, you know, respect. Oh, for this. sure, for sure. And, um, and, also, and also, he has an amazing personality from what I can see. He's uh, a very cool guy. Yeah. He's a very cool guy. Yes. So, um, so yeah. So that's that's your favorite fight so far, or do you have any more? Um, of course, I have I have a few fights, uh, like my fight versus Fon Viva in in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. He was the best. I, I'm not 75, 74 kilo fighters in Cambodia, and I went there as a replacement, and I didn't have really long time to train, and he's very. Uh, uh, well known that he's a tough fucker, right? Mm. With elbows, everything. And I fought a war with him five rounds. I lost on points, but I went five rounds with him. Like what nobody was expecting live on Cambodian TV in front of I don't know how many million people. Nice, nice. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, and have you ever had the chance to spar uh, Yotsen Klai when you were in the house? Um, we did a little bit, but it was more a playing around. It was not really a sparring because they asked us not really to spar each other. They say play with each other, but don't spar. We had Matsua Tam, uh, one of the trainers who is a very good fighter as well. We sparred with him a little bit, but uh, they asked us not really to spar in the house. Okay. And uh, what do you think about hard, hard sparring and sparring in general? How do you do it? Um, don't forget, I was living in in Lamai in Koh Samui, mm-hmm. and I was living with I was living with Jabba for a few years. Okay, all right. And you can imagine, he's a little angry Russian <laughs> who uh, who loves to fight. Yeah, his heart is in fighting, right? Mm-hmm. All his passion, all his love, and his heart is in fighting. So, fighting and sparring was not a big difference for him at that time. Mm-hmm. So. There is sometimes, you know, when you're getting ready for a fight, maybe not too close to a fight, when you have a hard sparring and you get hit, 
in the face and you get oh you know okay get ready for that you know it's going yeah. to be like that you know yeah. i think that's all right but stupid sparring with elbow and knee to the head and all this stuff i think that's some stupid shit yeah i also have to agree i think uh when i was just just uh, starting as um as a well as a young fighter too when i was like 15 or 16 um we would do hard sparrings only that was the only thing just hard sparrings full contact we didn't care um and then uh well when i when i was kind of I, I went to the college and everything uh so i kind of steered away from fighting and then i started studying it and more as a coach uh, then, then I've seen that hard sparrings can actually, if they're not timed properly, they can do more harm than good. And now I can, I can see like, really my, I, I can see some guys that I know, unfortunately, like you can see how they change their personalities, like impulsive behavior, um, not very good in remembering stuff. And I, I can forget, like my brain does not work as well as it was, as it did work. I don't know. Yeah. How many years ago? So, do you, do you feel any consequences from from hard sparrings? Um, actually, if I tell you the truth, no. No. I'm okay. right now. I'm I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm feeling like I don't forget stuff. Of course, I'm forgetting stuff if I smoke a joint sometimes. And, For sure. Yeah. And then <laughs> then I forget something. Sure. But uh, actually, no. I'm feeling okay, and uh, I'm actually very happy about that. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, but you are one of the lucky ones, like not yes. a lot, not a lot of guys. So tell me more about that. Actually, I'm interested in that. Do you see that a lot in Thailand? Do you see brain damage guys? And you know, we had I had before in my old camp in in Koh Samui at Lamai Muay Thai, we had few trainers. They had a lot of fights, and they was a little bit older, and you see them limping because they had problems with the leg because there was maybe like knock with Davy. Maybe mm -hmm. the name says something to you. He's golden era. He okay. fought Jeff Lebanner when he was 70 kilo and Sharon Lebanner was 100 kilo in the K1 back in the days. Oh, wow. It's a very fight. So he was one of the trainers and he's a legend. Like he was in Thailand ranked forever, I think top five. Mm -hmm. So you saw on him that from his brutal kicks and his many kicking that he was hurt, right? Mm -hmm. You see that maybe more than brain damaging. Yeah, so I was I was reading actually a little bit about that, and the whole Western the whole Western um, MMA and and kickboxing community is worried about that. Um, and ba basically, what the research says is that you don't even have to be knocked out, or you just have to take blows to the head on a regular basis, and they have to accumulate. So it, it's an accumulated damage. And there's a lot of guys that were never professional fighters. I was never a professional fighter, uh, but that, that can feel that can feel the consequences of it for sure. Um, some guys are luckier than than the others, but um. Yeah. For, for sure, and it's like, what the doctors say is that sparrings are actually the worst, not not the fight itself. It, right? it is, and it's always also independent who is sparring, you know, if beginners sparring and they hit in the wrong time, wrong place, shit can happen. And For sure. I mean, I, I had this few months ago in the gym, um, I organizing here in Bangkok, um, one time a year, a DJ fight night where I get DJs, local DJs, real DJs from here, five weeks to the gym, train them, and then I put a ring in the club and they fight each other with big gloves, right? Awesome. It's, it's, it's a very cool concept, right? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And, All right. and it was big fun, the first two, I, I did two, two editions already and I wanted to do the third. And there was one guy, uh, a DJ, who came to train and we did the sparring and he got hit a little bit wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And after the sparring, he felt like he was a little bit dizzy and I say, hey, you know what? Go to the hospital, please, you know, because you didn't get hard hit, but still, you know, I, I would like you to go to the hospital. And he went to the hospital and the doctor told him like to don't spar for okay. a while anymore. And um, then after a while, he didn't, he did not sparring and he came back and he started training and he felt dizzy and everything, you know, so he felt that. And after that, the doctor told him, you better stop because 
if you get wrong hits, maybe something bad could happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is um, amazing how we're individually sensitive to stuff. Uh, as, as I said, I, I, I personally can feel some, some memory decline, uh, but, and, but, but that can be also not due to punches. That can be due to stress or whatever. You never know because I never went to the doctor. Uh, but like, for, for example, my injury, I, I have a neck injury. That's why I can't fight anymore. But it's, it's like a minor thing. It can be like you just tur turned wrong. Boom, your career is over, buddy over and there, what a lot of people don't understand is that there is a lot more fighters and um, martial arts practitioners that end their career before it even started right the only thing we can we can all see is is the glory right we can't see those guys that tried and failed right so um okay so what's what's the worst thing uh, thing about thailand for you um there is actually no really what is the worst thing because you know in every country you have good and bad for sure i mean uh, thailand is still considering as a third world country mm -hmm. um, but i mean yeah if i see the poor people it's a little bit sad you know because it's such a huge population here and you see this quite often and yeah that's that's a, a bit sad but i mean Every country has the set and, and the negative side on it. For sure, for sure. Uh, so so you, you're not fighting anymore. Why did you decide, decide to stop fighting? Yeah. Um, yeah, I stopped fighting because I had a motorbike accident on Koh Samui. Oh, okay. So what happened? Um, I, was, I, was, I, was, I'm a hob I was a hobby DJ. Okay. I'm still a hobby DJ. Like I, that's my hobby back in the days. I started that when I was a young teenager. And I was on the way back from a gig in Kosamui back to home and I drove at uh, four in the morning to home and, and some, I don't know what, who was it, but some guy crashed in me and I fell down, right? And as I fell down, I twisted my knee. And um, when I was on the floor, he stopped and he was like, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. And he just drove away, right? And okay. I was like, you motherfucker, right? And I wanted to follow him. And I stepped on my right leg and I just like, I don't know how to say like, so I it's feel it out. Yeah. Right. So, so it's kind of limp. You can. Yes. Yeah. I mm -hmm. fell down again. Right. And I'm like, fuck, my leg is broken. But then I look my leg and I say, there is nothing broken. What was that? Right. And uh, then everything was quite big, swollen. And I had to wait a few days and then I make a, how you call it? MRI scan. Yeah. And they say, yeah, my ACL is, is quite bad um is torn you say mm -hmm. torn torn yeah torn mm -hmm. and i would need to have an operation and everything and they say oh i need the operation very fast and i was like oh you just want to make money right and scared and this and that mm -hmm. and i reported to the insurance and the insurance said oh we don't believe you that you did this in a training or in a fight so we don't gonna cover this Okay. So, and they didn't want to cover that, and it was a big drama. And I would have to go in front of the judge, and that would cost so much money. And my chance to win is almost zero. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I had to decide: okay, I I take money or I save money to to um, operate my knee and start again, or I stop and start to be a trainer, coach, manager in this way, right? Mm -hmm. All right. The, the operation is very expensive. Mm. How much is it? I think the operation by itself is not that much. It's between five and $10,000. Okay. But then you stay in the hospital, then oh, you have, a, yeah. then I'm out of work. I don't, don't do nothing for a long time and on the end of the day that comes to 20 to to thirty thousand dollars and yeah, i mean that's, that's quite a lot of money yeah for sure uh so how do you like coaching what do you like about coaching um i can torture the fighters when i was lazy that what i didn't do they have to do no joke joke yeah um, um i love on coaching is 
I'm I doing it with passion, you know, because I'm still loving the sport and I'm still really really into the sport. I just can't really go watch fights because it makes me like after the fights I feel like shitty. I want to fight and it's it's always strange a little bit. But um, as a coach, I mean, you know, when you see your fighters coming to the training and they putting all effort in and they going to fight and they win, I mean, that's the best feeling as a coach you can get. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree. And as a coach and as someone who can't fight anymore, I feel the exact same thing. As, so I'm coaching a guy and he wins or he loses, it doesn't really matter. But once you, whenever I feel the atmosphere, whenever I feel the locker room and everything, it's, it's probably the fire that will burn within us until the day we die, I guess, right? You're, you'll always be a fighter. Yes, yeah, I mean... I mean, when I have a fighter who goes in the ring, I think I'm more nervous than himself. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm standing there and I'm like really pissing my, in my jeans or whatever I'm wearing at that time, you know, like, damn. I had even one time and my fighter, Thiago, Brazilian boy, told me, say, hey, why are you so fucking nervous? Calm down, man. <laughs> You're making him more nervous. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So uh, I, I am... I am not uh, not nervous. It's it's a different type of nerves. Uh, yes. When when I'm fighting, it's uh, just uh, just like the adrenaline and the, the different type of fear. But when my my guys are fighting, I'm like uh, more worried because I can't control any. You can't control much, right? Yeah. And you know, okay. What and, and I'm questioning myself. What if I developed the wrong strategy? What if I missed something in his preparations? It's not his fault. It's my fault. Right, and he trusted me, and if I missed something, it's it's my fault. That's on me. So I, yeah, and there, there's no there's no going back. He can still control the situation. He can still probably pull it off. But you, for you, it's done. That whatever you did, you're, yeah, that's as far as you can go. Um, all right, and okay. So since we're we're on the subject of coaching now, how so? Right now, you are uh, reopening your gym, or what's happening with your gym? Um, no, I moved. I moved a few years. Uh, I think four or five years now from Koh Samui to Bangkok. Okay. With 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 the next dream I had, opening my own gym, and we had a look. My, me and my business partner at that time, we had a look at a few gyms here in Bangkok, and we was very interested in one. But that didn't happen on the end. And I get a little bit in a, in a life situation that I was not happy in because I didn't know really people in Bangkok. And this situation was like a little bit, I really didn't like it at that moment. But then I knew Tolly, the guy, the owner of Elite Boxing. And I knew that he has a gym here in Bangkok. So I moved to his gym here in Bangkok and start like just training sometimes myself, sometimes being trainer. Because they having uh, they having the head coach trainer Gay, mm -hmm. he's very famous in the Muay Thai business, and he's the head coach there. And I helped sometimes when they needed help, and that's how I that's how I um, get to Bangkok and started the gym here in Bangkok. And um, yeah, after a while, Tolly had uh, different plans with the gym. He wanted to sell it because he wanted to open a elite boxing in Rio de Janeiro because mm -hmm. he moved to Rio at that time. And um, I didn't have the money to buy it at that time. So I was looking for investors. I could not find any investors who was really interested in taking over the gym. So I talked with a guy who was already a few times, a uh, few years in the gym training always mm -hmm. because he told me he would be interested in investing in a hotel and I say, why are you not fucking invest in the gym? Let's take over the gym. I help you with everything you need. Um, and that's how it started, right? And first he took over only of the Muay Thai area of Elite Fight Club. And then he get the offer to taking over the fitness, over, the, over everything, over the whole 2,500 square meter area with pool and everything. And he said, you know what? I have an investor. Let's do that. And now we renovate the whole thing completely new, all new brand equipment, machines, CrossFit. Yeah, 
Beautiful. I've I've seen the videos you're posting on your on your Facebook page. It looks amazing. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, I can't fight anymore. I probably can't even train anymore. But I would just want to go there to chill out. I don't know. Just just lift weights and just be there. It looks amazing. Um, all right, we'll come back to your gym more. Uh, but what I want to talk about, uh, so you uh, you as a fighter. So having hundred plus fights, what motivated you to keep going? Yeah, in the beginning it was money. Because okay, what, I kept, what, was it I, good money? Um, on the beginning, for sure not. I mean, the first fight I did in Thailand was for maybe five hundred baht, maybe one thousand baht. That's mm -hmm. fifteen thirty dollars, you know. But uh, I wanted to gain experience, and I wanted to claim uh, claim on top, uh, being the best or at least trying to be the best, you know. And of course, after the contender, I was one of the most popular um, in the house. And then the offer came. But um, how I say on the beginning already, I was 67 kilo in the house and their check weight was 73.5. So that was a huge, big difference. Yeah. And after the contender, people wanted to fight me in the contender weight. So mm -hmm. I had to, I had to gain very fast a lot, and how, it was not really easy. How did you gain weight? I just fucking ate McDonald's. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, do because if if I was you, I would probably use steroids. I would just use some testosterone and gain muscle. You know, I tell you the truth. I I I was thinking about that, and especially because you can get this here quite easy. You know, oh you anywhere, buddy. You can you can get it anywhere easily. I know. Yeah, yeah. But, I always hear these stories that your balls getting small and your dick is getting small, you know, and and that is not waking up and and I'm I'm loving my friend down there. Oh so I yeah, was, I was like, nah, not really into that. Never, you know. Never. Yeah, you know what? I personally never tried, uh, but I know I, I did spar. I did spar a guy that that was on on testosterone. That's a huge difference. As I said in my previous podcast, that's that's a huge difference. That's like he weighs the same as I do, but he is like a superhuman. It's it's like the strength yeah. that guy has. So I'm pulling an arm bar, and he just shakes me off like I'm a doll. Yeah. It's 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 ridiculous. Um, yeah. And you see you see why why they're not legal. Um, but all right, so. Um, I mean, I think that that shrinking of the balls. I think if that's just if you're using too much, I guess. I know, I know a lot of guys that are using responsibly, and I don't know. Their balls seem to be fine. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. You know how it is. You hear these stories from people. Yeah, and you, yeah. And I don't know if it's true or not because I had friends. They say it's not true, and I had friends that say it's true. You know, and I never checked. I say, hey, show me your balls. You know, like so I was never sure about that, so I didn't want to really try it. But what I did is because of my knee, I took grow hormones. Oh, and, and how was that experience and for you? It was. It. I took it for six weeks. I think. I think a little bit more, and it helped me like with building the muscle. Mm -hmm. For uh, because I didn't have the operation yet, so my knee, my knee is holding actually everything just from the muscles, right? Oh, okay, all right. And and it 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 went very well. I built I built strong muscle, and I can kick now. Like, you know, it's no problem. I can kick. I can use my knee. I can knee, but I cannot put too much um, weight on the right. Makes leg. sense. Makes sense. Uh, all right, but 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 the, the fact that you can kick is is great because there the, the rotation of the knee is what's what's causing the problem with people with with the ACL. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I I've also had uh, a one buddy. He, he had a problem, I think, with his with his thumb, and he took some growth hormone, and he said it was great too. Uh, yes, yes. But 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 you also have to know how to take it, and there's like, did you take just pure growth hormone, or what's the what's the procedure? How did that look like? Um, I actually don't know because I went to a clinic here and I did it in the clinic. Oh, so it's legal there? It's not really legal, you know. But I mean, there is a clinic for testosterone and everything. Like when you're aging, that that oh. you know, so you can go there, and they really give you a cure. I don't know. Um, 
different packages and I don't know which one is, I think they have most legal, but they grow, grow hormones, they offer them as well because on the end of the day, um, then I have the control about how 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 I take it, how much I take it, and for sure, I don't want to end up with a big hand, you know. So yeah, 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 for sure. Or <laughs> or or a tumor or something like that, because that's that's usually the problem with with growth yeah. hormone. Yeah. Uh, all right. So is it expensive there? Um, I think ten bottles, and that was for a month. Was around. 300 to 350 dollars i think that's more than doable that's not very expensive it's that's it's okay i think if you have something good it's around 300 to 400 dollars yeah for sure because that's not something you're taking all the time that's something you're taking yeah. if you're injured and everything yeah that's that's also uh, an option i was considered uh for my back but since i have a mechanical injury i don't think that would that would help as much uh i can yeah. give it a shot definitely and see um all right so um so if what what do you think actually should be the right motivation for for a young fighter? Um, right, right, right kind of motivation. Like you said at the beginning, your motivation was money. Uh, so what what took over as a motivator after that? I mean, you know, money. I say money because the motivation was surviving. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a job. I came to Thailand with no. I broke up school i changed schools many times i never had to study work really you know i dropped out of work and i had always like trouble like that and what would i do in thailand you know there was the only chance to fight and fight for money so that's what kept me going on and of course what kept me also going on was that my father told me that i'm gonna spend my little money that i had on hookers and come back very soon you know yeah, and I said, "Fuck that! I I don't want to do that. I I really want to keep going." And yeah, all right. Uh, so what do, what do you think? I mean, as a coach, you can see that different perspective now. So, what kind of motivation are you looking for in your fighters? Um, I I wanna I wanna I wanna have fighters and people in my team, um, that have a talent, and they love the sport but never had really the opportunity to have the chance to fight on the big stage, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And because I know promoters and I have all, through all these years, I, I know many people, I have the chance to place fighters in many different promotions, right? And I mean, for me, it's the best, the most beautiful thing is when I see a fighter of me uh, signing or getting in a big promotion I mean that's that's the motivation that I have I want to go with them till the end till gold you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if they go there I go with them if they don't go there I don't go with them you know I follow them I'm that's, and that's the biggest motivation that's that's awesome that, that's that's really yeah that's really something Every coach uh, should remember just being there for the fighters, like for better or for worse. Because I've seen too many goddamn coaches uh, just being with you when you're successful. And then when you're not, they just discard you. Or if you get injured, they treat you as a pussy. They don't think you're really injured. And I've seen that too many times, especially in Croatia. Um, and, and then they wonder why Croatian MMA is is not on the level uh, that it should be on, uh, which I think it's slowly changing. But still, I think coach should be not an instructor, but a coach. There's a difference. When you're a yeah. coach, you're that guy's friend, you're that guy's brother. You need to be there for him. And when you're that guy's instructor, you're just teaching him how to fight. And quite frankly, a lot of people can do that. But yeah. being a coach, that's not something a lot of people can do. Um, and that's that's why I really loved your answer. I think every coach should think like that. Um, so, it, it, what do you think if you could, if you could restart your career? What would you do differently? Nothing. 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 All I right. Will, awesome. Will do exactly the same. Of course, maybe there will be small things like for a fight. I should not party the month. I should go to train. Uh, you know, get ready for the fight and take it maybe a little bit more serious. But no, actually nothing because I, I, how to say, a dream came true, you know, 
I mean, how many millions of fighters we have around the world, they would love to be in my position. And I was the lucky, I was lucky, but I made the best out of it, you know, and I put everything I had in that. So oh, I, would yeah, not, sure. I would not do nothing, nothing different. That's actually very inspiring, uh, what you're saying, because um, I, I think a lot of people move through life with regrets. And like, if you ask me right now, what would you do differently about your career? I mean, I really didn't have a career because I was never a professional. I didn't never make it to the, the that, made it to that point because I got injured. But uh, if if you ask me, what would you differently? What would I do differently? I would have like twelve things that I would just off the bat could, could say, and I, I really loved your answer for that. Uh, and if if you could give like a single piece of advice to, to the young fighters. What would it be? Always believe in yourself. Why do you think that's important? Because if you don't believe in yourself, you are in the wrong business. For sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, you don't need to be cocky, but I mean, did you ever see a fighter that doesn't believe in himself that's going to be successful? Probably not. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, of course, that is hard. That is training there is a lot of factors that comes together but on the end of the day if you don't believe in yourself you're not going to go nowhere for sure how do you think that that if if we have a fight if you have a fighter that's talented but he doesn't believe in himself do you think that can be trained um not trained but motivated okay how you know? um i don't know you know it's always in the pen of the character of the person mm -hmm. you know um, what I can say, I had an example with this guy, Thiago, right? He was one of my fighters and he was a very talented guy, Brazilian guy from the favela in Brazil, came to Malaysia. I met him there somewhere in the slums of Malaysia and I took him to, to Kosamui to come train there. And he was so talented. He was so strong. You can't believe that how strong this boy was. And he was not really, you know, he was not really believing himself, right? And then he got a fight with uh, with Nongsai, and Nongsai is a very tough, really strong Thai that fought the best of the best, right? And he, I fixed him at the fight, and he had to fight with this guy, and he was like really like a little bit afraid and scared. Can he beat him? And I was the only one. Like everyone texted him, say, "Fuck you, crazy, taking the fight. He's gonna kill you," you know. And I was like the only one. Telling him the last night before he left, I was like, man, give a fuck what everybody says. If I not will believe in you, I will never send you to go fight this fight. So yeah. believe in yourself and get it done. If you win or lose, I'm going to be proud of you just taking this fight. And he came back home with the victory, second round, second round knockout. And I mean, you know, that's nice. something, you know, you can't teach that, but you can motivate. For sure. For sure, you know? yeah, that's that's awesome. So, uh, and you're training fighters from uh, like from all over the world. And where do you think European fighters lack skill in? Um, right like, now, at the moment, yeah. To, um, you know, there is there is some really tough European fighters at the oh, moment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, they are good in everything, you know. I mean, few years back there was, of course, the clinch mm -hmm. and, the, and the elbows. But I think in the past few years, the Europeans getting better in that. But you also see that the Thais learning in boxing, you know, they don't just standing there. They also start to learn boxing, getting boxing coaches over. So it's it's difficult to say, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, what you've said about ties, uh, learning how to box, now you can see them taking angles, hitting from different angles. That's something you couldn't see before. They were just standing in front of each other and just banging yeah. each other, right? Now they're getting, they're getting smarter. And I think that's, that's, that's actually great. Uh, great. Yeah, but what I, what I see, what I when I was living in Europe, um, when, when I used to spar some, some Muay Thai guys, like there was strictly Muay Thai guys, uh, they were just still standing there and they were like, no, we're traditional Muay Thai school. And I'm like, you know what? That's pretty stupid. Cause like you want to move, you want to make yourself not as hittable. You don't want to just stand there. Right. So that's, that's not very smart. And I'm glad that actually ties are, are kind of picking up on that. 
and yeah. and integrating that that in, into their um into their muay thai um so okay so let's let's come back to your uh, to your school a little bit uh, to your new gym uh so tell us more about it where is it where can people find more about it um advertise yourself um yeah um the school is called elite uh, elite training center thailand um it's located on the uh, famous sukhumvit road 30 slash one um we are on the 10th floor we're having a huge pool we're having sauna we're having steam room we're having a massage team uh we're having a huge fitness area with over 50 machines we having a CrossFit uh, functional trainings area. Uh, we having a, a a big Muay Thai area. Um, right now, we are building in the next few hours. The MMA area should be done. Nice. Um, I building I building an MMA team because we have trainer Gay, the head coach of the Muay Thai. He is gonna take care of everything what has to do with Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna take a little bit of the MMA area hmm, because good. I like to. I like MMA. I fought MMA before, not many times, but I fought. Oh, uh, okay. Tell, tell me more about that. Tell me, I, I'm super interested in that. Where did you fight? Do you, do you have any MMA fights? Yes, I have um, recorded, like official. I have two MMA fights, mm-hmm. but I had a few smaller shows that they don't doesn't count, right? Okay. But uh, I fought in Art of War China. That was a very famous uh, show there where there was actually no rules. You foot stamps and everything like Valetudo back in the days. And nice. Yeah, nice. that was really, really like, that was my first fight. And then I fought uh, in Evolution okay. in Australia versus Adrian Pang, uh, one FC fighter right now. Mm-hmm. So this one to my official recorded fights. I get beat up because I didn't have any Love clues. That was 10 years ago, bro, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, MMA was at that time nothing really big interest for me, but I wanted to fight. I love to fight, so I just tried it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so you're, you're taking care of MMA, and um, so how are, you're, you're building an MMA team in Thailand. It's, it's fascinating how MMA has become huge in Thailand. Usually people went to Thailand just to do Muay Thai. Now they're going to Thailand to do MMA as as much as they're going to do Muay Thai, I would say. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. No, you you have to see it like that. Thai people are smart in businesses. They like mm-hmm. they like to make business, they like to make money. So what they have seen is in Thailand MMA still doesn't have a chance against Muay Thai, right? It's Muay Thai is still too popular, but it's picking up, you know, we're having few shows, Full Metal Dojo, um, some smaller shows in Phuket and stuff like that. So it's picking up slowly. And you see, we have AKA Phuket, we have Tiger Muay Thai Phuket, mm-hmm. where Valentina is training, yeah. Mark Hunt is training in AKA, you know, in Phuket sometimes. So, you know, it's how to say. It's like with your iPhone. You're not gonna use your iPhone one forever, so you need to upgrade. For sure. And I think that's what you need to do with your gyms as well. And that's what I sit down with our partners, with with the gym and everything, and I say, hey guys, look, we're having a perfect facilities. We're having a great venue. We have everything what we needed. We don't have an MMA team. And they're like, yeah, but you know, we don't know no one. And I say, look, let me be in charge that I built I, I know a few people, I'm going to ask them if they're interested to give classes and that's how I get back together and they say, hey, why we not build a proper pro MMA team for your gym? And I, I talk with my partner, Cedric, and I say, hey, you know what, I have this offer, I have these American guys, uh, they will be very interested to do a team and I will be in charge, man- helping managing that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you know what, if it's going to be good for the gym, and you they happy they good guys why not let's give them let's give them a try and let's build that mma team for sure for sure and uh so you are when do you have a grand opening the grand opening is on the 22 of february 22nd of february okay so you still have time for the people to uh look you up and do you have any and i've seen you have any some type of discounts right now going on 
Yes, we're having discounts for the fitness. Like normally we charge 3,000 baht and we're giving it now for 2,500. And mm -hmm. we have also special discount when groups coming. Like if, if a group of fighters want to come or just people want to train, we are, we're having discounts for groups. Uh, um, we, you know, we don't just want to make money there. We want to build something. We want to build a big, big ass family. You know, mm -hmm. I, um, our, our MMA coaches having good offers because they can make some money. Um, our Muay Thai coaches traveling around the world, doing seminars, uh, you know, so we try to be fair to everyone and to make, I want to build the best gym in Bangkok, the biggest and best gym in Bangkok with a good fight team. Uh, and that's actually all. All right. Awesome. And um, do you have a website people can can uh, look um, you up at? Yes, the website is still, uh, we're having a website, eliteboxing.tv. Mm-hmm. That's also where you can uh, uh, stream uh, and buy pay-per-views of Kunlun fights, of Glory fights, of different organizations, right? Mm -hmm. So you can buy them there. And of course, you can hook up there uh, our gym or on Instagram, Elite, fight, uh, Elite Training Center Thailand, Facebook, Elite Training Center Thailand, okay. Zito Fakuma fan page, always updates there. Mm -hmm. So... We're building our social media right now quite, quite. All right. All right. And uh, I will definitely put all of those links into the podcast notes so our Ooh. listeners or our watchers can, uh, can see those notes. And just click, and that's, that's the easier way to follow you guys. And personally, I think that uh, once I do save up some money, I think you guys are my next destination. I love how everything looks. Um, and like how, how you streamed it online and everything, it, it looks beautiful. Uh, so just, just probably, uh, the last question for me, who is according to you, the best Muay Thai fighter today? Today? Yeah. I will say Yotsan Klein. Yotsan Klein? Yeah. I, I, I'll have to go with Senchai. Personally, I, I I love his style. I love his flashy style. I, and of course, I I, I see Sanchai every day when I go to run. His his gym is not far from my home and our gym. Uh huh. And uh, I see him quite often. And you know, Sanchai is a legend. He oh, is yeah. he is he is just he how how to say? I want to call him the Ronaldinho of Muay Thai. For sure. You know. For sure. He's yeah, something sure. special, but. If you will put Senchai and Yotsan in the same ring, Yotsan will tear him apart. Why do you think that? Because Yotsan is just, he is not human in the ring. He, he is powerful. He has super powerful kicks. Um, you know, he's South Pole. Yeah. And he knows how to use very simple combinations. You don't see him do fancy tricks and everything. Actually, you can, you going, if you fight him, you know what is he going to do. You know it. But at the moment, you can do shit because yeah. he's so powerful. He's so self-confident and he's just fucking follow you like a stalker and he want to kill you on, in the ring, you know. I can tell you, nice. he's, he's just a different league. What about Buakao? Buakao is very good to fight foreigners. He's a very good name. He's a very talented fighter. Of course, he, he is top. Mm -hmm. But I don't know when he was his last fight against a real good Thai. Yeah, actually, he, he's fighting Europeans a lot. That's true. Or foreigners in general, not Europeans. He, he never had a Lumpini belt. He was never, never regional NEM champion. He was never Channel 7 champion. Mm -hmm. in, he was K1 Max champion. He was WMC world champion. Everything was this big. Mm -hmm. But back home, he never actually won something really big. Why do you think that's the case? Because he lost. Oh, okay. So he did compete, but he lost. He fought in Lumpini. He was fighting in Lumpini and he was good. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong, right? He was a very good top fighter. But... He didn't get that far that he was champion in Lumpini. 
Right. Yeah. So that that tells you a little bit about the comp, the European competition, and I mean the foreigner competition and the Thai competition. Ties are still, still they're still on on the top of the the of the food chain, so to speak. Yeah, they are. But I mean, um, there is there is few few foreigner now ranked in Rajadamnan and in Lumpini Stadium. I mean, Damien Alamos. He was one of the first foreigner fighters ranked as number one in Lumpini. Mm-hmm. And that not even Ramon Decker gets something like that, you know. I mean, yeah. he was the first one, and there was one more Brazilian who was ranked in Rajadamnan as as champion. I mean, you know, the foreigners started picking up, the ties started picking up, and Buakau he was very strong and very good back in the days, and his management was very smart because they started training him differently, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, more foreigner style, more boxing, more K1 style, and and that how and you see he was very good in that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, so you know what? Uh, with I think we we went through all of the things that I wanted to ask you, even more. I think this was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, do you have anything you want to mention in case I forgot something? Um, no, actually, everything. My book is gonna come out this year in English. Oh yeah, t- t- tell us more about that. I didn't know uh, you were yeah. you were publishing a book. I I published already. I have a book uh, book published in German. My biography. Why did I move to Thailand? Why I was in jail? Why? Actually, the whole life story. Mm-hmm. Why did I came to contender? Actually, all questions what you had today, you can read there just a little bit more deep. Um, yeah. Right now, we having it only in. In English, but it's coming out. Uh, sorry, in German. In German, yeah. It's coming out in English um, this year. One second, wait. Okay, I'm waiting. That's the German version. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah. So called bad boy. Okay, wait a second. Now I have a couple of questions. I think we're finishing this, but now I have questions. <laughs> All right, so. First of all, uh, why why did you got the name Akuma? Um, you know, I was always a little bit the devil in the family, and everybody told me like you are like the devil sometimes. Why you make always these troubles? And you know, Akuma was the street fighter character, and I loved him so much. So I just took over that, and I say, you know okay. what, Zid of Akuma sounds sweet to me. All right, uh, but but your first name is is Dominic, right? Dominic, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, just, just to clarify that. Uh, so you, you told uh, that, uh, and you reminded me about my question about the jail. Uh, so why, why did you go to jail in the first place? What did you do? <laughs> um, yeah, that was like a story we did a lot of. We did on a on a big rave called Street Parade in Zurich. It's like the love parade in Berlin. Okay. We did uh, sell weed. And we changed this money. It was copy money, so we printed money, and a bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that was the last time I the situation why I had to go to jail. And that was the time when the judge say, "Hey, listen, you know, it's enough. You've been in jail because you stole a car. You've been in jail because you robbed this. I did ro- a lot of shit, like really big shit. And yeah, but the biggest why? was copy money." Why did you do it? Why Why do you think you had that destructive energy inside of you? I was bored, you know? I mean, school was boring for me. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, life for me is something different than going in school and listen to a teacher. Uh, how much is two and two, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. yes, of course, we need to know that. But for me, life is something different. I need to gain experience you know i was bored and so when i was when i'm even today when i'm bored i just have shit in my head you know strange ideas how i can entertain myself and and that was back in the days even worse you know yeah yeah well when you're especially when you're younger now you have a kid so that i i would assume that impacts you a lot you're yes. a lot smarter uh but when, when you're a kid yeah you you just do stupid shit when you when you're bored um, all right, so your book is coming out. It's going to be called Bad Boy Two. No, it's going to be called yeah, it's going to be called Bad Boy Two, but just uh-huh. English version. Okay, all right. And where can people buy it? Will it be on Amazon? Um, 
we don't know yet, but probably it's going to be on Amazon. We're going to get it for online downloads. Uh, um, but I think that my manager is going to let me know in the next few weeks what's going on with that. Okay. All right. And you were, uh, you, so you were the one writing the book or how does that work? Were you cooperating was, with a ghostwriter? I was cooperating with my friend. Okay. The boot with me. I did some parts. He changed it some parts because he is a book writer. He know how mm -hmm. to do it. And I'm, I'm just like the, I'm just like Zidoff, you know, who just put something on paper that doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. And yeah. 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 He's okay. then the guy who make the sense in it. Okay. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. So, uh, <clears throat> when the book comes out in, even in German, uh, but c where can people buy your book in German? There are a lot of pe people Amazon. that do speak German. Amazon. Okay. Yes. We'll put the, we'll put the link, uh, to the Amazon on our interview notes. And, um, again, thank you so much for doing this. I think this podcast was amazing. I had a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, and we should do this again once you do open your gym and once the book comes out so we can kind of go over the news. Uh, for sure. Uh, once again, thank you for doing this and uh, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. Okay, see you, man. Take care. Bye. See you.